the Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 116, how to find a new career passion after a career in professional football. Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who will inspire and encourage you to be the best you can be in your current situation, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the nutrition industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Gary Richards. Gary works at Herbalife and he is also the founder of Essex Fit Couple. Now, I met Gary at a Herbalife talk and I was really inspired by his career journey about how he was firstly a pro footballer, but how did he go through the barriers with regards to his retirement? And I'm really interested with regards to the transformation of career development with regards to pursuing a career in the nutrition industry. So for that reason, it's brilliant to have Gary as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Gary will share his sports career journey and explain to you how he found a new career passion after being a professional footballer. Gary, it's great to have you on the show. Please could you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Thanks for having me. First and foremost, Ed, it's, uh, it's a great pleasure to be on the, the podcast here with you. So it started for me at such an early age, just for, like every uh, every other young lad there. My, 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 I found my first passion with, within sports. I found it within uh, professional football. I found it within football. Uh, just really from uh, being over the park, jumpers for goalposts, all of that stuff, and uh, a ball against the wall. And um, as they say, you are a, um, you become accustomed to your own environment. And I was surrounded by friends and family that was obviously into the sport as well too. I had two older brothers um, that both um, got into into football at an early age. And uh, then I came along sort of five years after my middle brother and uh, give my give my mum and dad an extra um, an extra juggling act with a third boy that wanted to uh, pursue their football career as well too. So that's where it all started really for me uh, back in the early days. Just going back to those early days, can you remember that breaking point when you knew this was going to be a career? Could you go through that journey? Um, I think that the belief starts at such an early age. I was lucky in the fact that my middle brother um, was five years older than me. Um, he was a goalkeeper, but he played for West Ham United at, um, at the academy stage. He played in the FA Youth Cup side. So I'd more or less seen him go through the development stage from sort of 10 years old through to 15 years old, growing up with the likes of Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, and some of the guys that sort of went on to play at the top level. He's in a very successful um, you side of course and of course as a, as a youngster I used to go and watch them play and I was quite inspired through I suppose my, my middle brother more than anything else. Could you just explain to listeners your journey as a pro footballer which clubs you played for in that sort of sense? Um, I left school I went to Colchester United I did my uh, apprenticeship scheme there um, I was fortunate enough to 
work hard, um, paid a price, and then two and a half years later, offered my first professional um, contract. Had a, a good first couple of years in professional football. I moved from Colchester United after some time spent in League One. We got promoted to the championship level. Uh, spent two seasons knocking around the championship. Uh, spent a, a long-term loan spell at Brentford Football Club, which was in League One as, as well at that, at that time. Uh, from there, I went and spent a short spell across Southend United for the season before heading to Gillingham. I spent pretty much the chunk of my career thereafter at Gillingham for about six and a half years and uh, great memories there. And um, I'm sure we're going to talk about it next before ending my career quite prematurely at um, Luton Town. But unfortunately, I didn't pursue any sort of um, playing time there. Can you explain to the listeners, in your opinion, the core skills you need to be a pro footballer from your experience? It's, it's, it's like pretty much anything that you're passionate about in life, anything that you're pursuing in life. It comes back to obviously attitude, work ethic. I was fortunate enough to be around, uh, like I said, a hardworking family, come from a hard-working background and um, my, my dad always said to me don't don't live to regret and if you've got an opportunity don't look back and regret anything that you you, you left uh, you left behind and I always sort of applied that principle in my playing career and if anything was gonna um, hold me back or not get me to where I wanted to be in my career it wasn't going to be for the for the want of, of trying for not giving that extra 10% thereafter so I was fortunate enough to have a good attitude at a young age, and I, I suppose a big a big thing is that you've always got to have an emotional why. Know the bigger picture of what you're working towards. Fortunately enough, in the footballing uh, leagues, you've always got something more uh, to chase. There's always um, bigger things to aspire to um, to work towards, and I think that um, that carrot as such through moving through the ranks getting to the, uh, to the next level, I think that really pulls you uh, through the day-to-day grind as such. Before we talk about your new passion, I just want to give the students who are listening in an overview of your experience as a pro footballer. Did you have any support from a sports science perspective? Because if you look at sport from the last 20 years, sports science has had a huge impact with regards to performance. Yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm now 32 years old, so I've, I've skipped a generation um, to, to some of the listeners on the call, but I, I, I suppose I, sh- I share backwards that although I, I'm, I'm, I skipped a generation, I'm now obviously, I'm 32 years old, I'm away from the game, um, but it's one of those things that I wish I knew then what I know now, um, which is, is quite a key um, takeaway, I suppose. But at the same time, I was unfortunate enough to be, um, to come a cropper to a, a few injuries along my uh, my time to say the least um, but also on the flip side of that I was fortunate enough to be put into the hands of some of the uh, the, the, the world um, or the country experts um, some some to, to include the likes of Steve Kemp England um, sports conditioning coach the likes of John Green who rehabilitated the likes of Dean Ashton Michael Owen um, and, and the list goes on really I spent some time working at St George's Park for the best part of two and a half to three months there, the national uh, football headquarters up there in the Midlands. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I took a lot from my time working with those guys. But, of, of course, like everything, everything's evolved and everything's evolving right now, especially in the sporting world. And I believe that sports science p- plays such more of a key role for the young developmental stage in coming through and obviously in the, the key role in the, uh, the sportsman's career today. Just looking outside, looking in now from the football world of things, how have you seen, should we say, the football industry develop from the last 10 years from your experience? Yeah, I mean, 
fast forward from from even my generation, go towards my the next generation, my dad's generation as such. Gone are the days of the bucket and sponge men. Um, gone are the days of the the, the leather footballs and stuff like that. To, to obviously my career, but then in progressing that on to what it became when I was playing for sort of the best part of 10, 11 years, sports science started to really emerge. Nutrition started to emerge, um, not at a real comp- comprehensive level. And it was only really that top bracket of top 10 pr- Premier League clubs and then started to filter into that as a, as a standard, really, in that industry of the Premier League that then started to filter down into the championship level. And now, obviously, in uh, communicating and working with some of the football league lads, it's pretty much a standard throughout the uh, the football league industry. I couldn't agree more. And I want to bring it to the present now, and I want to share to listeners how we got connected. Uh, basically, guys, I had a full-on two-hour session. This guy, six foot two, comes up to me in the car park and goes, look, mate, what's your goal here? And I went, not sure, pal. I literally need to go for a shower. Um, but before we get it, moving on, uh, Gary is part of Herbalife and I was like look I really want to get my body in good shape and I want to hear more but we had a good chat in the car park and there was one significant part I want to highlight and this will relate to the listeners because I think it's still an important issue to highlight and this is at the age of 27 he mentioned very briefly about your injury Gary now moving forward could you explain about the adversity you went through with regards to ending your football career and explain to people where you are now yeah, I mean, just hearing you talking about it there, it sort of, obviously it takes me back um, a step as well. And um, I suppose, obviously looking back now, um, like I said, I'm 30, 32 years old. Going back, my career took a, an unexpected turn for the worst back then. That you reach a certain level in, in sports, and I think this isn't just um, applicable to, to football. It's pretty much across the, the professional standard that you reach a certain age um, as a professional sportsman and you're expecting, especially in football, you expect really in your idea of what, what what's your age cap, you think sort of mid-30s and then you're going to have to think about life thereafter and hopefully you've made it up to that, that next bracket, that next tier in football to obviously ease the pressures for life after football. Unfortunately, I didn't make it to that bracket uh, for one reason or another and... Um, but I'd almost resign myself that I would be able to uh, muster up a career until I was mid-30s. Nothing was going to happen in the meantime. And um, a lot of footballers, a lot of my friends, a lot of um, people that I work with, a lot of people that I played um, with and against, don't really, like I said, don't really, they're not really thinking about life after football. Today, they reach the age of 30, 31 for some people. And for a lot of them, it's actually 32, 33 and 34 plus years old. And I definitely hadn't thought about too much. Um, don't get me wrong, it's always in the back of your head. Uh, your head. It's always a, an itch that you want to scratch, but you're never really um, forced into that position where you really have to sort of pursue anything. But anyway, long story short, um, I reached the tender age of 26 years old. Um, and um, as I explained to yourself, Ed, um, I was introduced to a nutrition program within Herbalife, and I thought I'd get started on the products just to see how they're going to work for me. Um, I had a very basic understanding of nutrition and all the rest of it. wasn't looking for anything else outside of my football commitments. And like I said, I didn't really want that distraction. Didn't want to look back in my football career and have any regrets of not giving it 100% my best shot. And at 26, 27 years old, your inverted brackets um, considered to be in your your prime as such. I'd recovered from a um, uh, a broken ankle around about the age of 24 years old. I'd 
really had a good season under my belt and I was quite excited for the next couple of years uh, for some consistent football and really just give it a good bash. And um, fast forward from January to to March 2012, um, I was playing in a a Carlin Cup game on a Tuesday night. It was in front of around about 3,000 people um, on a Tuesday night against against a team called Barnet. And um, and uh, it was a bit of a bit of a freak. It's quite rare in the football uh, football industry, in the professional um, industry, that I was actually assaulted on the on the field of play, um, seventy yards off ball um, by by another um, by another athlete. And um, long story short, it was um, a spiral fracture to the uh, fibula, uh, and the tibia drove through the back of the ankle joint. They didn't realise that the tibia drove the back of the ankle joint, which basically gave a full dislocation to the ankle, more or less at the time that. Um, damaged a lot of the cartilage and my rehabilitation program was expected to be around about five or six months but just want to give a bit of emotion really to the listeners in that in that moment it was March 2012 I was 26 just about to turn 27 years old and I had three three months left on my contract (laughs) 10 minutes before I wasn't too concerned about that because of I was playing I was fit I was healthy um, I'd had a good season under my belt and 10 minutes after I'd gone into that, that game and then obviously I'm laying on the, on the floor. As soon as you hit the floor, the first thing you start to think of is not the actual initial physical pain or in actual fact, that's the first thing you think of. Um, and then that settles down within sort of five seconds and all, all of a sudden I, I'd, I'd already, I'd already said throughout my career, you'd never catch me getting stretched off. I wouldn't be one of those players. I wasn't going to resign myself to be one of those players to roll around on the floor. And the only time you'd ever stretch me off the pitch is when I couldn't talk or I'd have to retire and never make a return from the game. And actually, it was that that was the only time that I'd um, required a stretcher. The stretcher came on and I'll never forget getting stretched off the pitch that night with all of these things going through through your head of uh, financial uh, position, contracts, how long is it going to take me? Of course, when you hear your leg snap and um, it's a little bit um, skew if you're starting to think about the worst and not necessarily the best. Um, you go to hospital and obviously you, you hear the news of the spiral fracture. And um, then obviously you've been, you, you're told that hopefully it repairs in a straight enough line, but potentially if it doesn't, we're going to have to, go through surgery and all the rest of it. So you fear the worst and hope for the best, but you're, you're really starting to forecast three months ahead. You're starting to forecast five months ahead. And essentially, you're about to become un- unemployed in three or four months' time with no income and um, no real future if you don't make a, make a return thereafter. I don't really add a response because I'm just blown away the same in that car park, to tell the truth. And if you don't mind me, and I, I know you can't go into too much details, but... Could you explain to listeners why that there is an issue with the lack of support when you do have to retire in your circumstances? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm asked time and time again, Ed. I'll be I'll be pretty brief around this area because I could talk on this subject for hours and hours. I won't. Um, but I'm asked time and time again that would you get back involved in the sport and stuff like that? I found something I'm very passionate about that takes up my time, and um, I'm a family man and all the rest of it now. And uh, for a lot of the typical um, parts of where people get back involved is, is, is a no for those reasons. But I'm very passionate about the lack of support around uh, some of those areas that you just mentioned there for the pure fact of my own personal experience. We're in a, in a time, uh, we're in an era where we know and it's being highlighted more and more that 
the mental strains for life after sport and in particular life after football, the thing that I can relate to the most, um, is, is quite high. You know, it's, it's risky, um, for, um, uh, a lad who's 27 years old or a lad even who's 35 years old, who potentially even played at a very, very good standard to then be coming away from the game and not really understanding themselves, why they're not feeling as fulfilled in their life, maybe why they're struggling financially, maybe why they're struggling to be excited about their future. And all of that stuff's going on right now uh, for uh, lads and ladies in, in life after sport. And I can only speak about my own personal experience. And with that, I spent three, three years in, obviously, Within that period, I found something I became passionate about that took care of my life after football that I could really get my teeth stuck into. So for that reason, it obviously took away my focus. Don't get me wrong, for six, seven months, I was very low. I was lower than a snake's belly and uh, feeling quite sorry sorry for myself. And I had to find a way out of that position quite quickly because that was a dangerous uh, position for me to be in. But um, I, I did manage to find something, but... <laughs> It had been three years to get to a place where I was, <laughs> I hit a place and I, as, as fast as I was moving forward, I took a moment to just a few times along the journey, just to appreciate some of the lads that hadn't found something for life after football. And I'll never forget the conversation that I had with my agent. We was talking about this and I said to, to my agent, Bob, do you know what? It's been three years and there's not been a representative of my union that's reached out and contacted me within this period. And if you was to put my case on pen and paper, I was a 27 year old lad. I was making good money for a 27 year old, but never life changing money. I was getting a huge sense sense of significance in the fact that I was going out and playing in front of these large crowds on a, on a regular basis. I was doing something I was very passionate about. And then all of a sudden on, on black and white, I was a, a lad that came away from the game with no education, um, no career for, for life after football, no financial uh, support in the fact that I was never earning enough to get me past a good couple of months of life after football, and yet not one, not one point um, of reference that I, where I knew I could go to look for to speak to someone about my potential uh, worries, concerns to further my education, for look, look for a new career. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I, three years on, I was in a completely great place. I was excited about my future and everything um, thereafter. But there's a long list of candidates that was around me that I was speaking to, that I was reaching out with, that I was in contact with on a regular basis that weren't that fortunate, that had pursued other careers, that wasn't giving them that significance, that fulfillment, um, that excitement for their future, and of course not the financial support that they might have been getting during their career as well too. Gary, I just really appreciate you sharing that. And this is why today's podcast topic is on a great topic, and that is how did you find your new passion after professional football? Being completely honest with, I want to be transparent with everyone on the, on the call. I want to be transparent with yourself as well too. As again, I shared it in that presentation, Ed. Uh, first and foremost, it was passionate in the fact that obviously I was using the Herbalife products and um, it gave me an integral message to be able to promote something that I became passionate about. But what really got me started from a career um, potential was fear. It was desperation and it was fear. And it was fear in the, thought, in, in the fact that I'd been doing something I was very passionate about, that I was excited about, that I 
realized in an instance that I'd be I'd taken it for granted maybe at times as well too and I've been quite lucky to be at home on my sofa by two or three o'clock every afternoon uh, to be able to have my, my kit washed every single day and be able to get paid a nice income and to be able to walk out in front of all these stadiums and to be doing something I'd, lo- I, I, I'd, I'd love. And in a moment, you, you're told that you're going to have to look for, for, for something after football. <laughs> all of a sudden, you think very differently, very quickly. And all I could think about at that stage when I was, was told that sentence really, Ed, was I'm going to become a, um, or I'm going to end up on the building site uh, with my dad and my brothers, and there is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And with great respect, I've watched my dad um, slog it out for 42 years on the building site, and absolutely hats off to him. But like I said, for every other reason that I've been pursuing my football career, I realised actually that wasn't the life that I wanted in going forward. So for that fear, I realised that I had to become quite open-minded, and maybe I needed to change quite quickly. And at the same time, obviously, at the desperation of, I'd been earning. A good amount of, um, or I've been earning a good income uh, for a sustained period of time, which was actually just about to be get, uh, to get wiped from under my feet um, quite quickly. So I needed to find a way of replacing that. And a being on the building site was was an option for me. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it wasn't going to pay my income, and it wasn't going to be something that I was necessarily going to think that I was going to be passionate about for the next decade, two de- decades, or even three or four decades. Uh, like my, my my dad had been thereafter. So, what inspired you to get involved in Herbalife? Could you explain to listeners what Herbalife is about as well? Yeah, so um, like I said, that was my that was my starting place. Um, it came off the back of the integrity of using the products, um, very similar to the sports science science message um, that I had a a rough um, a rough idea and a, a rough understanding of the import importance for of it, and I knew it was. Um, emerging and the understanding the education around it was and just like nutrition as well too runs more or less parallel we talk a lot about the complete player programs uh, which is uh, technical skills uh, personal development and well-being nutrition and obviously uh, strength and conditioning I think that all comes into place uh, for a sports person's career and when I started to dive a little bit deeper into obviously the products the program within Herbalife I started to understand in actual fact that what I've been doing throughout my career, these products could have played such a key role in actually looking after my my well-being, my uh, sports and my performance throughout my career. So I thought, you know what, let me just take and test my body to see what I can actually achieve. And actually what I did uh, did achieve, <laughs> I've sat here at 32 years old, fitter and stronger, uh, more athletic than whatever, what I ever was as a 22 and 23 year, year old. Why is that? Because obviously I'm working a lot more smarter around my training. And of course, I'm still training as well, too. And I realized that actually these products weren't just about helping the sporting athlete. I could help my mum, dad, uh, my brothers, my nan and granddad. And from having that passion and that integrity of using the products myself, my wife started to use the products. She dropped some body fat, increased her muscle mass, found her energy levels started to increase around her current commitments. From that, I started to impact my nan and granddad who started to uh, improve their health and well-being, uh, mum and dad. And obviously, like everything, the rippling effect started to uh, um, incur. I started to understand that there was a bigger potential within the company to grow a network, to impact and educate more people through building a network of people, hence our conversation. 
And that's pretty much what we've been doing to, to establish over the last six years. And now we've got a, an organization that's pretty much doing that, impacting up to around about uh, 3,000 people on a monthly basis where their health and well-being, whether they're from a, a sporting background or whether they're just looking for um, improved uh, health and vitality. Now, just reflecting, going back when we just spoke about not having the career planning in place, where's your career plan now from a future perspective? I'm, I'm motivated by, by three things, really, which is, which is family and maybe as a 19 and 20-year-old 20, 20 uh, lad or um, girl listening to this call, you've always got to understand and appreciate that what's motivating you right now may not always be the same in going forward. So we mature, we develop, and we find different purposes in life. And obviously, I've got two young children uh, now. Uh, so a big goal of, of mine now is to become the best uh, role model for these uh, young, young guys growing up now uh, to provide the best way we can possibly for them. Um, to travel um we were inspired by travel and of course to obviously um have our, our own time freedom and work more on our terms out of interest what have you been up to recently we're um we're, we're always busy we're busy in life in uh, in in business and uh, just um trying to obviously get that um elusive word of balance as well and um we we recently back from paris um last weekend as you know you see it on my, my social media and everything uh, we spent five nights out there. It's, it's at our annual conference um, where 17,000 team members from 63 countries come together. Um, we have some fun parties and socials and um, always training and education throughout the weekend as well too. So that sort of dominated this month mainly. Um, again, working on and developing our, our business model and impacting more people, enjoying life, spending time with our loved ones that we, we love to do the most. And, um, and everything there in between, to be honest. Gary, just on a personal note, I've really enjoyed this call, but what have you enjoyed the most from your career looking back now? My, my career, I, again, I, I think when you're, when you're in the grind, uh, when you're in the day-to-day -day, um, uh, workings of your career, your business or life in general, you always look back slightly different. And now in looking back, um, what I enjoyed most, of course, I love the camaraderie, I love all the friendships that I've made over the time, I love the experience that it's given me, and nothing can replace replace that. Um, I love the battle, um, I love the physical demands um, that it puts on, on you. Um, but for for me now as a 32-year-old dad, in um, looking slightly different in, in going forward and how I look at things today, it's the personal development journey, 100%. It's everything that it gave me. It's everything that it taught me. It was the tough times that I thought um, I wanted to end uh, there and then. There was times that you want to quit and all of that. But in actual fact, in the roller coaster that was my professional career from the age of six, seven, eight years old to when I was um, finishing at 27 years old, everything that happened from that throughout that time, the good, bad and the indifferent, actually plays a key role in my character and my, my key strengths that I've got at my disposal today. Gary, I'm certainly learning a lot off this call and I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview and you've given bags of advice, but I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university students who want to discover their career passion? My, my first key, key note is that we always want to go 100 miles, miles an hour and I never forget looking back with great respect we always want more. We want to move quicker. 
we want to do more. We get frustrated quite quickly. So I'll be working with intensity, but work with patience as well, too, because I'll generally, I'm a believer, going back to the famous Gary Vee, that uh, most people overestimate what they can achieve in the next year and underestimate what they can achieve in the next five to 10 years. And I'm a very big believer in that. Know that things are changing. Know that in actual fact, whatever your passion is right now, whatever your aspiration in going forward, know that you're in an incredible generation, incredible time where technology's um, emerging. My keynote to everyone is just embrace it. I was always that guy that was never for social media, um, in actual fact, quite actively against it. Now, if you follow me, you'll realize I'm actually quite a, a hypocrite, uh, but that's just through my own personal development. And whatever you're against right now, I just encourage you to be open-minded enough to just embrace it um, try to learn it, try to understand it, and actually look for the trends of the future because right now the world's changing quite fast. And if I was a 19, 20, 21 year old um, guy or girl right now in the world that we're living in right now, I would be so excited to have everything that's going on in our world right now uh, to be able to speak to more people, to be able to document to more people, to do things like this and just explore, have that patience, but at the same time, Whatever you want in life, you've got to be working with intensity and you've got to be on that grind on a day-to-day basis and open to learn. Gary, that was absolutely spot on and I hope the listeners take that on board. How can people interact with you online? My primary account is um, is Essex Fit Couple. Uh, Fit Couple, that's my, my family-driven account. Myself and my wife, Charlotte, we document around what we do in our two children and dog as well. Facebook, you'll find us as Essex Fit Couple. All means send me a personal request if you want as well to, of course, Gary Richards, my primary account. So I have a website, uh, essexfitcouple.com, if you just want to go out and check out a little bit more on that. That is great to all the listeners listening in. Those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. What a really fascinating podcast chat with Gary. And look, I'm going to put this all in perspective, guys. This happened with regards to setting this all up, this podcast chat from me finishing a gym session after two hours. And Gary came up to me and said, you know, the work he's doing at Herbal Life. And we got a conversation going. And look, this is where we are now. The point I'm saying this to you is, I think back now, imagine if Gary didn't introduce himself when I was dripping with sweat going to my car with this chat, with all this information you've got today, ever happen? Because seriously, there are some great pieces of advice in general, life skills, advice about adversity and how you overcome it, all through Gary's story and through his career through football. And the one thing I said to him during our chat in the car park is we always forget about the Lower league football players, they are still professional footballers. But unfortunately, in the UK, we've got the Premier League and all we think about are like these top players earning millions of pounds, which is all great and well. But there are still players in the lower leagues where, with regards to your studies, like from a sports science perspective, you can work with. But the main point I'm saying to you now is all about the network. This was a perfect example of effective networking, which could happen anywhere. This happened at my local gym, for example. But relating to you with regards to your sports career ambitions, you just have to connect with the right person in a really random spot. It could be a coffee shop. It could be a restaurant where an opportunity can arise. And that is what I wanted to really highlight from this show. And with regards to Gary and his career journey now, I'm going to be honest, and I don't think you'll mind me saying this. He has no degree under his belt. But gosh, has he got the right attitude? Has he got the right 
mindset? Has he got the right desire with regards to his future, his life and where he wants to go with that career planning place? And I'm just emphasizing that sometimes when you don't have the education behind you, you're more hungry. And that is a factor I'm learning throughout this podcast journey. You've got to be hungry in what you want to do. So look, I hope you found this podcast chat really fascinating like I have and you really apply Gary's principles of hard work, always willing to learn, really having that passion in what you want to do because that will support you with regards to your sports career ambitions and good luck. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Gary said, you've got to be patient, but at the same time, whatever you want in life, you've got to be working with intensity on a day-to-day basis with an open mind to learn.